Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Good morning. I am uh, thrilled and excited, and, and these guys that are actually around me are thrilled and excited to know that this is our last time to do what we're doing right here. Now, it's been great. Don't, don't misunderstand me. It was even fun in the beginning. Would y'all say it was kind of fun in the beginning? It was new. Um, but speaking into this camera every week, honestly, it's kind of got old for me because I miss you. And, and I, w- I want to be with you. You know, I, I, I miss my people. I miss the atmosphere in the room. I I miss those hugs, and I I miss the conversation, the incredible conversations. And and you know what you forget sometimes is that every week at Springwell, we get to hear incredible conversations of life change. And I miss that. And so I've been craving that. So I can't wait to get back together uh, again next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to party, just so you know. And if any church in town can party, I'm telling you, it's going to be us. And so you just... uh, you don't want to miss it. You want to be there. We're going to do some unusual things next week. Well, who am I kidding? We always do unusual things, but you don't want to miss next week, I'm just saying. Now, some of you, some of you could be afraid. I get that. Some of you maybe still are not quite sure about this COVID-19 thing, and, and, and so maybe you're a little apprehensive. Um, maybe, maybe you're a little bit apprehensive about the future. It's not just coming to church on Sunday. It's going back to work or whatever it is that normal used to look like for you, and so you're a little bit concerned, maybe a little bit afraid. So I just want you to know this morning that remembering is a really powerful tool that you can use if you're afraid of your future. Well, it's a powerful tool that you can use if you're afraid of the future if you're a follower of Jesus. Well, 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 it's a really powerful tool, this thing called memory, and remembering is a really powerful tool that you can use if you're afraid of the future, if you're a Christian who's old enough, who's been around long enough, who's gone through enough junk so that you can look back and know that there's never been a single time when God has not been with you, no matter what it is that you've ever gone through, that God has never let you down. See, we have to remember to look back because honestly, God doesn't always act like God, does he? He doesn't always act like in our head this picture of the way that we think that God should work or maybe some of the stories that we've heard from the Bible. And so we want to see God show up and do some miracle stuff. And he doesn't show up like we think that he's going to show up. But he does show up nevertheless, and he still never lets us down. He still takes care of us. And sometimes it's the most unusual ways. I think the story of Elijah is a great example of what I'm talking about. Let me give you a little context. When Elijah was alive, the northern kingdom had experienced 19 consecutive evil kings. 19 consecutive evil kings over a span of about 200 years. Now let that sink in just for a second. Now we whine every day, don't we? I mean, cut on the news, cut on the Today Show. We're always whining about politicians. Now, the Democrats are whining about the Republicans, and the Republicans are whining about the, about the Democrats. I mean, we're always throwing rocks at each other, and so we're used to this political battle. But this was much different than this. This was a very evil time 
And this was a time in which Elijah lived. In fact, there was this evil king, really, really evil king, known as being like one of the most evil kings, and his name was Ahab. And he married a woman who was known as being like one of the most wicked women who ever lived, and her name was Jezebel. And according to 1 Kings 16, verse 30, Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the sight of the Lord than any of those before him. Now, he was a bad man. And when I say he was a bad man, I don't mean that he was a bad man in a good sense. He was a bad man in, in the worst sense possible. And when I say that we're bad, <clears throat> when I say that he and Jezebel, Ahab and Jezebel were, were evil, that they were bad, I don't mean like they just disobeyed God. It was much worse than that. They literally, their intention was to turn people's hearts to a false god. They would turn people to a false god who required that these people would literally sacrifice their own children. Is that sick or what? It gets even worse than that, it seems. They would even go into these temples and they would engage in sexual activities with prostitutes and they would call it worship. So this is a very sick, a very dark time, a 200-year span, and now this is the worst of the worst. And finally God said, enough is enough. I've had enough. 200 years is way long enough. Something's got to be done. So God says enough and enough, and he chooses one man whose name is Elijah to make a difference, which is kind of weird, kind of weird, because if you were to think that you were going to defeat a kingdom, you wouldn't really think that you would defeat a kingdom with like a little wimpy prophet man, right? You'd probably think in terms of, I'm going to get an army together. I'm going to defeat a, king, a kingdom who maybe has a huge army to defend himself. But then I guess, you know, God often does things the way that kind of takes us by surprise. He doesn't always work the way that we think he should work. God's kind of sneaky that way. He will often use the weak to defeat the strong. So he chooses this man named Elijah. So can I just say that maybe, just maybe that God's been speaking to you to take some kind of stand against some kind of evil. Maybe that evil has been over the last few weeks is you see, have seen people treat other people unkind. Maybe it was in the grocery store. Maybe it was at Costco. And somebody wasn't keeping that six-foot distance. Or, or, or maybe somebody broke in line. And maybe you felt like you should say something. Maybe, maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe it's a neighbor. And that neighbor maybe is abusive to his wife. And maybe God's been speaking to you. Maybe he's been speaking to you and... And, and you're the one that God wants to use to be able to speak truth into that person's life. But you think, man, who in, who in the world am I? I can't make a difference in this world. But nevertheless, God is speaking to you, little old you, to make a difference. Wow, that's pretty strong right out of the gate, right? We just barely kind of looked at a verse of Scripture, and that's kind of strong right out of the gate. Aren't you excited? It's going to be a fun day. So the first time that we see Elijah is in 1 Kings 17, and it reads like this. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So let's put this into context. In this agriculturally driven economy, rain meant everything, absolutely everything. Unemployment would go crazy. It's more than just people wouldn't have a job. People would literally be starving to death. Crops wouldn't grow. This would be literally worse 
than what we've experienced with this virus over the last few weeks. What we've experienced is that some people have been affected, other people have not been affected. Let's just be honest. Some people are actually flourished during this time. In this case, everybody was suffering. People were starving to death. And this man looks at this evil king and he says, no more dew or rain in the next few years. And then this is what I think is funny. I would never have said this. He said, except at my word. And if, like, if I hadn't been Elijah, I probably wouldn't have said that. In fact, I probably would have said, um, well, God told me to tell you. You know, I would have said, God, this is God's word, not my word. And so when he says it's going to rain again, it'll rain again, I'm just saying. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide at the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. <laughs> I think this is kind of funny. I still have literally looked at this for weeks, and I smile every time I read it. So the Lord said, deliver this message to this super evil king. And then he says, run, Forrest, run. Which is not really comforting, you know, if the God, the creator of the universe, is telling you to run. Like, that's not very encouraging. Like, God, where are you? You're not scared of Ahab, are you? Well, of course he's not. So he tells him to run and hide in the Kareth Ravine. Now, it's interesting that you, I think you need to know that the Hebrew word for Kareth means literally, it means to cut off from the source. It means to be cut off from the blessing. And so God is literally saying to him, Elijah, I'm going to cut you off. Now, why would, why would God do such a thing? I mean, if God had said, Elijah, I want you to go to Ahab, and I want you to say, and if Elijah had said, I ain't going to Ahab. I mean, you know how evil he is. If you want a word to be taken, you're going to have to share it with somebody else. Somebody else is going to have to go. I'm not going to go, but that's not what happened. If Elijah had said that, then I would understand God sending him to the care of the ring, but Elijah did exactly what God asked him to do. It's then that we often wonder, well, God, where are you? What, what are you up to? And I think for me personally, this is the way I grew up, it's, it's asking, what, what did I do wrong? I, I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought you said, I thought I heard you. I tried to be obedient, but I must have, I must have missed it because we all know that when you're in the middle of God's will, then blessings abound, right? That's what the faith and wealth people talk about all the time. So it seems kind of confusing. But here's the reality. The reality is this. Pain doesn't always mean punishment. Let me say that one more time because it's only taken me about 30 years to get this through my thick head. Pain it doesn't always mean punishment. And then it says, you will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him, and he went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. So he's in the middle of this drought, there's no water anywhere, and God provides a brook. So wow! So we are seeing God in a supernatural way do some really cool stuff. He's kind of sneaky about it. He sends him to a place where he says, literally, I'm going to cut you off from the source. I'm going to cut you off from the blessing, and yet he shows up. And I think it's the coolest thing in the world that these birds, literally these birds, feed him with bread and meat in the morning, and then they bring supper at night. 
I just think it's the coolest thing, don't you? So God was saying very clearly, no matter what happens, I want you to know I'm going to be faithful. I may not provide what you want the way you want it or when you want it, but I will provide. And God doesn't provide a year's worth of provision. This is another one of those things you'd had to walk in my shoes and understand where I've been to get the depth of what I'm fixing to say. He doesn't provide a year's worth of provision, which is personally what I would like. He doesn't provide a month's worth of provision. I would say a month, you know, a month's really, really short. And literally, he provided breakfast in the morning and supper in the afternoon. Day by day, just one time a day. Some of you are in a season right now. Maybe it's because of this whole virus thing. Where there was something that you used to trust in for your security and it's been taken away. And maybe for some of you over the past few weeks, you've lost a job. And that job used to be your security. You're hurting and you're alone and you're afraid, but, but God says, I'm going to take care of you. Maybe not the way you think. But I will provide for you every single day. He's literally saying, I'm going to be your comfort for today. If you feel weak, I'm going to be your strength for today. And Elijah learns to depend on God each and every day. And so what, God, what is God teaching him? God is teaching him what I think many of us need, especially at this time, to remember. Is that God is going to be my provider. He's going to give me everything I need every day that I need it. He's not going to give it to me a week's worth at a time, maybe not a month's worth or a year's worth at a time, but day by day, he will be your provider. And then we come to verse 7. And let's just say verse 7 is just a weird verse. It's not a verse that, quite honestly, if I had been God, I don't think I would have included in this record. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And I think, wow. So you get in this picture, Elijah was faithful. He did exactly what God told him to do. And so he goes to the Carith Ravine, and then there was this brook, and it was amazing. He had water for every day, and then the birds were feeding him, and this is really cool. And then the brook dries up. And, and i got to be honest, um, I literally wrote it down. I don't even know what to say right now. I wrote that in my notes. I don't know what to say right now. So what I did was I got out the commentaries. I even went to every pastor who I'd ever known or didn't know. I mean, I searched on the Internet every message I could find of someone who had preached this text, studied this text, understood the depth of this text. And so here's what I got for you. Nothing. I still got nothing. Then it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now put yourself in Elijah's place. <clears throat> He's been hiding in this ravine for months. And it's been providing him with water every day. He's got these birds flying in with meat and bread. It's a cool experience. And then the brook dries up and God says, I need you now to move on. You know, I look at this and my thought was, God is really doesn't make it easy to trust him, does he? 
I was talking to a friend of mine. In fact, maybe the first or second week that we, that we did this when the pandemic started, um, and we did an interview with, with Russ. I don't know if you remember Russ. Russ Daniel, he's actually one of our elders. He's my personal elder because I need several personal elders to keep me straight. And so we did this interview with Russ, and one of the things that Russ said that day was is that literally he had had to, to lay several people off. And I think maybe that week it had been seven, and I know that that number stretched. And then one week, I think it was on a Thursday afternoon or a Friday afternoon, Russ got his papers, and he was without a job. Wow. I remember Russ calling me. I remember getting, I think the text was the first thing I got. Well, now I'm without a job. She said, I'm not going to worry. Hey, God's got this. Everything's going to be cool. So he had an interview, which I thought was really weird, on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, literally, of all the days of the week. I mean, you get an interview on a Sunday afternoon, and I'm thinking, well, that can't be legit. I mean, who in the world in their right mind is going to interview somebody on a Sunday afternoon, right? Well, he was interviewed on a Sunday afternoon, and he went back to work on a Monday. And that part-time job, that temporary job, turned into a full-time job. Actually, a full-time job making more money than he was making before. Wow. And here's what Russ told me. Here's the interesting thing. Russ said, I've been working for the same company for 19 years. He said, truth be told, I would have never left that job. I was comfortable. I loved the people that I worked for. And Russ is extremely loyal. If you know Russ Daniel at all, he's an incredibly loyal man, very trustworthy, very loyal he said, I would have never left this company on my own. So literally the brook dried up because God wanted Russ to go into another direction. I've uh, had some people that I've been praying for uh, over the last few months. Pushing a year, I guess. And honestly, my prayer has been, God, I mean, honestly, I need you to give these guys a break. I mean, they've experienced a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of loss. I mean, it's just been like one tragedy right after the other, right after the other. And so you need to work. And so honestly, I, I don't know how you're going to take this. It, it sounds kind of weird, but I was praying for their dog. Their dog got sick, and I was praying for the dog. And honestly, I said, God, I mean, really? It's a dog. And maybe it doesn't mean a whole lot to a lot of people, but I have a dog, and I know how we love our animals. And God, save this dog in the name of Jesus. Heal the dog. And God just didn't heal the dog. Still hasn't to this day as far as I know. I'm just saying that it's bad when the brook dries up for you, but sometimes it's worse when it dries up for the people that you love, that you've invested in. Sometimes that's worse than when it dries up for you. But maybe they have to learn what Elijah had to learn, and that is that God may cause the brook to dry up to give us the courage to leave where we are so that we can go where we're supposed to be. And I don't know that in my life I would have always made those choices, that it's easy to be comfortable where you are, and sometimes the brook has to dry up, things have to get bad, a tragedy has to come. What looks like is a curse really is a blessing in disguise. So some of you may be thinking, you know, my brook's drying up. I used to be able to trust in my job, but now I don't have a job. I used to be trust, trusting in my 401k, and man, with the economy, what it is, I, I can't trust in my 401k, and I can't trust in the stock market. My brook's drying up. Maybe for some of you, you said, you know what, I used to be able to trust in my friends. But let's just be honest, for some, you would say, my friendship brook dried up. The same God who gives water may cause the brook to dry up to give us the courage to take 
a step in another direction. And some of you need to hear that. God said, go to Zarephath. And so God tells him to go to a new place. And I can't read it all. There's, there's a lot of scripture here. So I'm just going to kind of hit the high points. So he moves to Zarephath, which is uh, maybe 100 miles away. And he meets a widow. And so he meets a widow. <laughs> Did you get that? A widow. And he has to be thinking, a widow? And God says, I'm going to use this widow to take care of you to meet your needs. And I, it doesn't say, I just wonder if he scratched his head and went, Really? Like a widow? Like it wouldn't be a rich man, you know, who owned a thousand cattle on a thousand hills, you know. No, it's, it's, it's a widow lady. And so he humbles himself, he sees this lady, he humbles himself and he says, I'm really thirsty. I'm really thirsty and, and if you could give me some water, that would be really cool. And by the way, like I, if I could have a snack. Like a snack to go with the water would be awesome because I'm hungry as well. And so this widow lady looks at him and she says, are you crazy? I didn't like say that in the text, but I'm pretty sure that's exactly what she meant. Are you crazy? Like, where have you been? Are you the only one who knows that we, that you know, we've been in a drought like for years? Like, where have you been? Have you been living under a rock? She says, "We're dying." She says, "I'm a widow. I have one son. He's back at the hut. And to be honest with you, I want you to know that I came out here to get some sticks to build a fire, to take the little bit of flour that I have." along with the little bit of oil that I have left, and I'm going to make us literally the last meal, and then we're going to die. And Elijah says, no, you're not. You're not going to die. He says, but don't be afraid. Go home and do as I have said. But first, a small loaf of bread for me. That's a pastor right here. This guy is Southern Baptist. Baptists go all the way back to the Old Testament. This is proof. But first, make a, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the, joy, the jar, jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And so they ate biscuits and gravy for months. I mean, it was awesome. Every morning, biscuits and gravy. And the flour never ran out, and the oil never ran out. And God, once again, supernaturally, in a weird way, through a widow woman who didn't have anything, who God said, I'm going to bless her so that she can be a blessing to you. Man, that'll preach right there. I'm just saying. And then one day, believe it or not, the widow's son dies. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, the Bible is as real as any book that's ever been written. People always want to question the, the, uh, the integrity of Scripture, uh, the authority of Scripture. And if you read it for what it is, honestly, you think, God, I, I wouldn't have put that there. Like, this would have been a really cool place to stop in the story. And so her son dies. So Mama's freaked out, as you would expect. And Elijah takes her dead son and carries him up to the upper room. And here's what it says in verse 21. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And God raises her dead son back to life. Man, what a story. And then the woman said to Elijah, Now, now I know that you are a man of God. And the word of the Lord from your mouth is absolutely the truth. Hmm. So God took Elijah through a season of total dependence where he couldn't depend on anything else or anybody else but God. 
God used horrible things to build his faith in God to a place where he could look back, where he could remember and look back. And, and no matter what he ever went through the rest of his life, he could always look back and say, you know what? I did what God said, and I told Ahab what I had to tell Ahab. And then God said, run, Forrest, run. But then I ran I ran to a place where God provided, and then the brook dried up, and then God said, I want you to run to another place, and I ran to another place, and then God provided there, and he did it through a widow. I mean, like, God is a supernatural God. He works in unusual ways. He's sneaky sometimes. He, he comes from, from the back side. He gets you from the blind side. He comes in the back door, but he always, always provides. Some of you right now are in a deep season of pain. Maybe uh, your brook is dried up and you're going through some kind of storm that's uh, threatening your life or you know, whatever metaphor you choose to use. The bottom line is this, is, is that you're going through a deep season of pain to prepare you for a purpose. And God is literally saying to you, I'm doing something in you because one day I want to do more through you. And I can't do more through you until you've been prepared, until the soil of your heart has been tilled, until your faith has had a chance to build. And you'll, your faith will never grow unless you've put to the test every single day, will I have enough strength for today? Will I have enough finances for today? Will there be enough food for today? And when you see God supernaturally in ways that you never expected take care of you, you will look back and go, wow, God is awesome. People have asked me, literally over the last few weeks, man, how, how's your church doing? How you guys doing? How you doing financially? I said, well, we had a good month. We've had a bad month. We, we've had better. I said, but, well, how, how are you doing? Are you sleeping? I, I, this always seems like the question that people ask me. Are you sleeping at night? I mean, like, don't you wake up in the middle of the night scared to death? Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? No. You know why? I can look back over 25 years of doing ministry at Springwell and God has never let us down one single time. He's been late a few times. Now, I know he don't think he'd been late, but I would say he'd been late, even after the fact. You know, sometimes after the fact, oh, God was right on time. I would say, no, I still think he was late. He could have showed up a few months earlier, would have been fine with me. I don't know that it would have changed anything about the story. God may allow you to go through the care through vein so that one day somebody can look at you. See, so here's the power. Is it so that somebody can look at you and say, now I can see what it really means to trust God. When you're broken, you experience pain. Grief. And you hurt and you're broken. And it's okay to hurt. We don't have to fake it as Christians. We don't have to do that. We can say, I, this stinks. Inside I'm, I'm broken and, I, and I'm hurting but I know God will use it because I can remember that every time I've ever gone through anything like this, God has always been faithful and other people will be able to look at you and they'll go, wow. I've, I've had I remember a guy who didn't believe in God at all, and he looked at me after, going, after watching me go through some very difficult times, and he says, so, this is what faith is. And the funny thing was it caught me by surprise. I went, wow, that's good right there. 
I need to preach that sometime. Yeah, I guess so. Some of you are going to say, oh, the brook dried up, and I can no longer stay where I'm comfortable. Now I've got to go somewhere new. You're in one of those places today, and maybe you're hurting or you just need prayer. I just want to pray for you right now. I just want to pray for a number of you that are out there that I know are hurting and broken. Some of you are afraid. Some of you are scared out of your minds, and you don't know what you're going to do. Some of you are concerned about how you're going to make another mortgage payment or how you're going to buy groceries this week. I want you to know that it's going to be okay, that God's going to take care of you day by day. Maybe provide breakfast and then provide supper. But he's going to take care of you. I just want to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, for those folks that are watching this morning, they're just broken. Some, Lord, that literally, God, their mind is just wrecked with fear. In fact, God, they're so afraid that they're paralyzed. They can't make decisions. So, Father, my prayer for them is that you will use this story, God, to speak to them that you are faithful. You are our provider. You're our buckler, our shield, our our rock, our fortress, our salvation, and that we can trust in you. Father, right now in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, you know, someone who's maybe sitting in the bed with a laptop or out on the back porch with a cup of coffee or sitting in the kitchen, wherever they might be. Lord, as only you can, show up and speak peace into their lives. So maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and and maybe what you've just realized this morning is that every struggle that you've been through, really, you've been able to relate to this story And every struggle has really been pointing you to Jesus. I mean, let's just be honest. You don't have anywhere to go. You don't have anybody else to trust in. You don't have anything else to trust in. You've been kind of at your wit's end. And as you've heard this story this morning, you went, wow, that's that's where I am. And maybe you've recognized the weight of your sin. And today you're ready to turn from your sin that has brought so much pain in your life and you're ready to, to turn to Jesus. So if you're ready to call on Him, if you're ready to fully surrender your life to Jesus, then maybe, maybe you'd pray a prayer or something like this, just right there in your home. Maybe you'd say, Heavenly Father, I'm ready for you to have my whole life. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Change me. Be the Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Wow. It's been a great day. You do not want to miss next week. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss next week. Uh, We'll do the best we can to put as many people in the building as we can, and we will celebrate like you've never seen us celebrate before. I'll see you next week.